Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. People are what make ball special. People at every level come into work each day and give 100% to accomplish their goals. Our production techs are the front line in our can-making operations. They directly impact the volume of production we run, the quality of production we run, and are integral to our operations. Production techs are also important because as their skills grow, they are able to move into even more mechanical roles. Text GOLDEN to 77222 and you'll get linked to open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. Or simply text GOLDEN to 77222. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Guy. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dog two hands. Nikola Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Take a good luck. You won't see it for long. Jurai O'Brien. Trevor Story. Lock. End zone. Touchdown. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Welcome in to the Denver Sports Podcast brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNBR and regular seltzers are now being sold at the bar. I am your host for today, Jesse Montano. Uh, I'm joined by really an all-star lineup here, a who's who of DNBR. Uh, I've got uh, Harrison Wynn here from our DNBR Nuggets. Uh, Zach Stevens from DNVR Broncos, Patrick Lyons from DNVR Rockies, and my fellow DNVR Avalancher, AJ Hayfley. Um, I would say, how you guys, how are you guys doing? But then it'd just be everyone talking over each other. So good to see all you guys. Glad to have you guys here. Uh, thanks for, uh, <laughs> thanks for joining me today. Uh, so we are officially four days into 2022 and, uh, Thought this would be a good opportunity. You know, the the new year fell kind of at the end of the week last week, so we didn't really get a chance to do this uh, before 2021 ended. 
I thought this would be a great chance for us to have someone here from every beat representing all the, the professional sports teams in Denver uh, and just take a quick look back at, uh, at, at what was a, a crazy year, a blur. You could use a lot of adjectives for 2021. Uh, but just kind of wanted to get everyone's unique perspective, how it was uh, you know, with, with the different teams, the different sports. Uh, so first, before we get into highs and lows and, and um, you know, big moments for the teams, I want to ask all of you guys, I want to hear from you guys, what was 2021 like covering your teams? How was it different? How was it better? How was it worse? Um, so Zach, I'll start with you. 2021 covering the Broncos, you know, you've been around football, you've been around Broncos a long time. What was it like? It was the same, you know, it was the same, especially with the Broncos, because they were the same, gave us a little hope <laughs> and then just ruined it as the season went on. But in terms of for the, the media side covering it, it was better than 2020. 2020, everything was completely remote. We only had one. We were only allowed one person in the press box this year was was much better. A lot of in-person stuff now toward the end of the season, we're kind of going more to the zoom route uh but it was it was more back to normal although still not allowed in the locker room which is obviously what really tough for us but more so we're, we're getting back in the right direction yeah felt it felt a little bit more normal it didn't have the you know well, i guess the nfl was one of the few leagues that wasn't in terms of scheduling wasn't really impacted in 2020 right yeah, exactly. I mean, only two games were moved this year. I guess three games were moved this year. All happened on one weekend. And of That's course, right. this past weekend, everyone wanted the Broncos game to be moved because they were out pretty much 15 guys. But the NFL, yeah. they're not going to do the Broncos any favors. They're not going <laughs> to move them. They are done with moving games now. The, the NFL, toward the end of the year, they kind of closed their eyes and said, we're going to change our protocols and just run to the finish line here. And uh, we're going to change our protocols so that we can do that. Yeah. Well, Hey, they, you know, they, uh, they've got playoffs to worry about, you know, they, they are definitely in a different situation than, than a lot of the other leagues who, um, you know, the NHL, they can push games around. They've got a big chunk that they can make up in February. The NFL is kind of at the end of the line here. They've, they've, you know, they've, they've got to forge ahead and, and uh, make sure that those games happen. And that's it's, exactly what they're doing, Jesse. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's good to hear that it was a little bit more back to normal uh, for, for you guys this year. Uh, Harrison, on the Nuggets side, what uh, what was 2021 like for you guys? Uh, definitely not normal. Um, it's, <laughs> it's funny because the NBA fit like a whole season into 2021, pretty much. They started last season in December, late December, like the last week of December, and ended it. <laughs> you know, in May, in June. So right. they crammed an entire season into, you know, like just a couple months. And it was a roller coaster. Um, <laughs> playing in empty arenas, watching a game as a member of the media, as one of just like 15 people in the entire arena was definitely <laughs> weird. Uh, it's definitely something I'll never forget. It sucked. Like it was terrible. It was like the least enjoyment i've ever had watching basketball to be quite honest watching yeah. a game in an empty nba arena and the season was just wild too i mean the nuggets played pretty much every other day from january through may and yeah it it, it was just a roller coaster and then the, the nuggets made like an incredible trade at the trade deadline and looked like they could be a team to win the championship and 
Jamal Murray gets hurt and everything snowballs from there. And you go from as high as you could be on the Nuggets to just kind of waiting for the season to end. So it was a wild ride. Definitely my least favorite season, you know, covering a team ever just because of wow, you know, the yeah. empty arenas factor and everything on Zoom. But it was an experience. That's for sure. <laughs> so Zach had everything in terms of like on field be pretty much status quo. And for the Nuggets, it was really kind of the opposite where it was a roller coaster up and down craziness. Didn't know what to expect one week to the next. Yeah. I, I mean, Denver really peaked as a team in March after the trade deadline, when they got Aaron Gordon, you're like, wow, they finally pulled off the big trade deadline deal. This team looks like arguably the best team in the NBA for that stretch of games after they got Aaron Gordon. Yeah. And then Jamal Murray gets hurt. And then, you know, you, you got some great vibes in the first round when somehow uh, the Nuggets beat the Blazers with a Fokker Compasso, Austin River starting backcourt, that backcourt beat, <laughs> Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. So that was great. But then you get smoked by the sun. So um, it was, you felt like Denver definitely, you know, left something on the table, but the injuries didn't prevent them from reaching that ultimate ceiling. Yeah, no, for sure. It's yeah. uh, Injuries has been a, I think that would be a great word for 2021 for Denver sports, just injuries. Yeah. Patrick, you're you're maybe one who I'm, I'm most excited to hear from as we get a little bit further into the show in terms of highs and lows for the Rockies in 2021. Um, but again, just just love to hear your experience, uh, you know, being, you know, trying to cover this team from as close as we can. Um, but, you know, definitely having our limitations and being kept kind of at arm's length sometimes. What was it like for you? Yeah, MLB was the first to come back in in 2020 Had only the 60 game season. And as Harrison said, it was very strange coming to a ballpark with no fans in it. You know, everything that goes on in that game has value. There was even one game in September where Charlie Blackman hit a walk-off grand slam. And you could hear all the players celebrating. And immediately, even before they had stepped off the field, you got this sense that this is totally irrelevant like no one cares like <laughs> there's no one outside the stadium celebrating it's walk off grand slam and then okay that's what yeah, you can be like on the way home you know are there any accidents do you have any detours it was so strange and so in 2021 we were back to somewhat normalcy still not allowed in the clubhouse similar to the locker room that zach's dealing with uh, and the broncos but we were able to go down on the field and at least talk with players there uh, we'll get into some of the highlights of the season, you know, with obviously yeah. being able to play in the summertime, whereas NBA, NHL, and the NFL are off. So we got to have a lot more of that sense of normalcy back. It was certainly a lot more than 2020, but we're still waiting to get, you know, all the way back to 100%. I have to say, can't be too greedy. I have to be thankful for how good it was in 2021, all things considered. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you make a great point. The, you know, the Rockies playing in the summer, which I, I, for me, at least now that we're into 2022, I think summer of 2021 has been the most normal life has felt for me, at least over the last two years. So definitely a bit of an advantage there. And then, you know, Rockies and Broncos being outdoors um, has allowed for a little bit more of like a comfortable environment in terms of bringing fans back. Um, So no, definitely, definitely some, some, positives there for yeah what was otherwise a pretty shaky rockies here um aj last last one here on 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 this obviously i'm i'm back around the team this year um 
So, you know, I, I kind of walked straight into all of this, but just from your perspective, man, 2020 into 2021, you know, you come off of the bubble into a shortened season into what we're in now. What has this been like for you relative to, you know, what it was like when you and I were covering games together five, six years ago? Uh, it was awful. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, it was all like Harrison mentioned, like the going to a game and like, the, did, did you guys ever, uh, what are those, what are those movies, uh, where they have the 24 hour, you can kill, you can commit any crime that you want. Purge. Oh, the purge? No, the yeah. purge movies. Yes. Did you guys ever watch those movies? Uh, the like first one. No. Yeah. Like there's a, so like by like the second and third one, you find out that like rich people are, I guess spoiler alert. Like rich people are like <laughs> are like paying to see these things, like paying to see certain people executed, and like Damn. like gathering to do it. That's how I felt watching hockey in an empty <laughs> arena. I felt like we were like the exclusive like elites that got to watch this special NHL game just for us, and it was weird and awful and gross and just it felt bad because it was like yeah. I, I, it was like we there's nothing special about like we're just the media right like that we're here to watch the game and then we can do the zoom access on where we have the zoom access immediately after the game on our own like that right. it was just it was like why are we even in this building this is so weird yeah. everything about it was just uncomfortable the whole season is uncomfortable the the uh, the trying to uh, acclimatize to the to to the zoom zoom only structure that we had at not being around players. You don't even in covering a team, if you're not in the locker room and you're not talking to players, you're not having conversations with people around the organization on a regular basis. You don't have a feel for the organization in the same way. Yeah. You just don't you. It's hard to pick up the vibe. It's hard to pick up. Like one of the valuable things about having us be eyes and ears for people is that we see things. We can tell people, look like, we may not be able to necessarily say everything, but you, we can we can talk about certain things like, hey, there's certain things that are going on here that you guys should keep in, you know, certain storylines that might be building behind the scenes you might want to keep an eye on. And if we're not in the locker room, if we're not around the team, none of it, none, none of that is there. We don't have any extra information. We don't get to be that lifeline between the fans and, we don't get to tell the human stories. My favorite part of this job is is not getting to go to games for free and not getting to travel and see games in different cities. And it's getting to know the players and getting to know them as people and getting the human side of things. And that was completely non-existent last year. There was no human element to it because we're all sitting on Zoom and you ask more or less the same cluster of about five to ten questions that get asked to everybody every game. And it's it's almost like playing Mad Libs, where you just change the teams involved, the scores involved, the days involved, the injury that's involved, the player that's involved, and you just fill in you just fill in the blanks as you go. It didn't it didn't feel good. It didn't feel it, it felt very impersonal. It felt very distant. It felt very cold. Uh, it was it was everything that that you don't love about sports. There was no there was no fan passion. There was no. There was no reaction to a huge moment. Like the Minnesota wild rolled into the Pepsi center last year, I guess the ball arena last year. And they were riding high on this huge winning streak. And they were the big surprise. And the abs 
put them down as like the biggest rival that the Avs have these days. They, in back-to-back games, blew them out, embarrassed them, absolutely housed them. And all I could think was, imagine this place with fans right now. Imagine them putting up back-to-back blowouts against the Wild. And instead, I'm sitting here with five other media people just kind of like, hey, they scored again. Cool, 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 cool. And, like, you hear the players and stuff occasionally because so much crowd noise got piped into Ball Arena. That I, yeah. I, the first game of the season, the crowd noise was so bad being piped in. I had a panic attack in the arena. Well, I, the insane, r- vi- visiting teams complained about it, right? At Ball yeah. Arena specifically. That yeah, they, were like, they actually yeah, had to adjust control. it <laughs> because it was completely over the top. So, so awful, the- man. Um, it was it was awful. This year hasn't it, it? It got off to a little bit better of a start, and then with the COVID shutdowns. We're back. It's back to awful. This sucks. Yeah. And, and you make a, a great point about the eyes and ears in the locker room. The one that comes to my mind was a couple of years ago, uh, Nathan McKinnon went out with injury and then he came back. He was playing. But if you were going into the locker room, you would notice that he wouldn't take off any of his gear until after the media left. He was normally one of the first people to get, you know, d- down to his kind of warm ups and then he'd, you know, go hit the showers. He would stay in full gear until the media left. And that went on for about four or five weeks. And I remember, you know, you caught on to that and you mentioned it to me and it was something that I was keeping my eye on. And again, just something that, that you don't get to see now. And Zach, real quick, before we move on, I just want to ask you, cause I have heard that a lot about the NFL in, in that being in that locker room, you typically get a little bit more time in there than, than maybe some of the other sports. And, and you really you know get a chance to get to know people how has that impacted you this year and just your ability to to kind of like what AJ was saying, get close to the team, get close to the players, losing that locker room access? Yeah, I mean, big time. We're typically in there for 45 minutes, five days a week. Whoa. We're in there after practices every day, and then we're also in there after the game. And and all of you guys know that that's where the relationships come. That's where exactly the, the behind the scenes, things that you see, the things that you hear happen. And we've lost that completely, not just for this year, but for 2020 as well. We, we obviously didn't have that when everything was Zoom for us. So now that's two straight seasons. So now that's two straight draft classes, two straight free agencies. It's like we, we, we know this team nearly as well as the fans do it's it's just everything that comes out on zoom which which we're on and you can get some things from there but not nearly as close so it's going to be great if we're allowed in the locker room this year it's going to be like i'm covering a whole new team in terms of getting (laughs) to know these guys but there's no guarantee that we're going to be in the in the locker room this coming year either because you know the nfl and nfl players don't necessarily like the media if you can believe that (laughs) and so they'll use every single uh excuse some may say reason they say in order to us they have for two years yeah that is the one thing that i have thought about where it's like i don't know if the players are going to want to go back to the way that it used to be because i have a feeling that they uh they enjoy this because now PR (laughs) pr teams are the one who decides who has to talk to media and it's a couple minutes and then cool wrap it up you don't get to stand there at, at their stall anymore and, you know, kind of poke whoever you want to poke. Um, well, so and, no, definitely- and Jesse, I talked about, uh, I talked about how the, the COVID protocols have changed for the NFL in just the past couple of weeks, just, just yeah. which really is a way to uh, the NFL to make it to the end of the season. They've really done some interesting <laughs> things. Uh, and one of those interesting things is the media 
tests more for COVID than the players do, which is just, it's mind boggling in order to protect the players. They don't have to test anymore, but the media, which is now only seeing the players over zoom has to test. It is. It's, it's crazy. Whoa. That's crazy. I did not know that part of the, part of the new protocols. That's nuts. Yeah, like you yeah, said, it, it really is. And it just, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, that, that, that's how they're going to treat the media. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know. I'm not going to hold my breath on them letting us back in the locker room anytime soon. eh? <laughs> cool. Well, so no, it's great to hear, hear, um, you know, the different perspectives, all the different leagues and how kind of everyone was impacted. Want to get into some of the highs and lows, but first do have to remind you guys, this is the Denver sports podcast brought to you by Breckenridge brewery. Uh, we're also brought to you by our great friends over at DraftKings. We have hit the final week of pro of the pro football regular season, and college football is heading into the national championship. DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to get all fans in on the action for this exciting time on the football calendar. New customers can bet just five dollars on any football game uh, to uh, any football team to win their game, and if they do, you win two hundred dollars in free bets. So let's wind down the season with a big win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on football with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets uh, for the same game for a bigger payout. More, the more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit withdraw your withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet just $5 on any football team that's college or pro to win uh, and win $200 in free bets if they are victorious. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply and see DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. So, I have always been taught when you are talking to someone, when you're reflecting on something, you always end on the good. So let's start with what was the low point for all, everyone's team that, that, you know, everyone's respective team that they cover. Uh, Harrison, let's start with you. It was a really up and down year uh. for the Nuggets. Lots of peaks, lots of valleys. Um, what would you say in calendar year 2021, what was the low point for the Denver Nuggets this year, last year? Yeah, you know, I would have said getting swept by the Suns, but that was something that you could just kind of see coming. And when it finally happened, there wasn't like that much shock and awe to it. You were kind of bracing yourself for that to come. So I'd probably say Jamal Murray tearing his ACL. I mean, that was really figuratively the end of the Nuggets season. And that happened on April 12th in Golden State at that terrible new elitist arena in San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That cursed chase center. But um, that was, like I said, that was the end of the nugget season because just a couple weeks before that, they had traded for Aaron Gordon. They looked like legitimately the best team in the NBA with everybody healthy. And then just kind of at the end of a loss in golden state. And it was wild how it happened because it happened in the end of a fourth quarter where Denver clearly wasn't winning a game. And, you know, that, that game was already decided and Jamal Murray comes down the lane um, and just tears his ACL on his knee. And 
the Nuggets hopes or, or whatever dreams they had last season were gone like that. They were, they were ended because as good as Nikola Jokic was last season and he was the MVP, he was the best yeah. player in the league. He could not carry whatever was left of the Denver Nuggets past, you know, the Phoenix Suns who went on to make the finals. So Jamal Murray going down in Golden State, that was definitely uh, the low point of the season because it ended the Nuggets season. How much, how much of that do you think, I mean, does it kind of feel like it's almost even carried over into this year? Just that was almost kind of like the, the official start of the Nuggets injury problems that have now kind of just haven't gone away. Yeah. I mean, the Nuggets have always had a lot of injuries. It's just something that's kind of followed this team throughout the Jokic era. There's always been, you know, a key guy that it seems like he's going down in a pretty important moment, but it's for sure carried over to this season because um, Denver has, has no room for error. And because Jamal Murray's been out it and Michael Porter jr. Has been out. That's, that's a whole nother thing. But yeah. now every single night, it's just squarely on Nikola Jokic's shoulders. You know, if, right. if Nikola Jokic doesn't have an A-level game, Nuggets aren't winning, and they're probably not even scoring 100 points. So, like, everything is just on Jokic right now, and it, it's it's rough. Like, you can see it wear on him this season. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely carried over this year. Um, <clears throat> AJ, injuries is definitely something that uh, we're familiar with on, on the Avalanche side, but – I want to ask you, because I have a feeling I know uh, the answer. Low point uh, 2021 for the Avs. Uh, game five against Vegas. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it was 2-2. Uh, things had gone really poorly in Vegas. Um, they had blown the 2 nothing series lead, and then they played an awesome game five on home ice. They had a 2 nothing lead going into the third period. It looked like, hey, if they're just going to swap home games, the Avs are golden. We'll see the Avs in the conference finals. They might survive this thing. Like they, they, uh, contrary to the narrative that exists out there that Vegas just came in and blew out the Avs four straight games and that was how it went, uh, the Avs played an awesome game five. They dominated Vegas. And the difference was that Marc Andre Fleury played out of his mind and refused to give up that third goal. Vegas scored twice in about two minutes, a few minutes into the third period. And then uh, the Avs couldn't get it done in overtime. And Ryan Graves fires two pucks into Mark Stone and it's breakaway the other way. And Grubauer doesn't make the save. And they were down 3-2 going into Vegas. Philip Grubauer's confidence uh, had fallen apart. And as we've seen in Seattle so far, is nowhere to be found. Um, might have a lot of lot of story to be written, but that game might have altered his career for the rest for forever. Uh, yeah, and and it, it's it's game five was just that was the that was the one that ripped out the heart of the Avalanche for real. It felt like that was going to be tough to come back from too after dropping yeah. that type of game. You kind of just got the sense that that yep. that series was done. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, Zach, I, I, I'm really curious to hear from, from you on this because it, it was an interesting season. It, it seemed like there was maybe some reasons for optimism. Um, you know, new GM, you had a quarterback who, you know, he was a known quantity, but you said, okay, well, maybe with the roster that we've built around him, if, you know, the, the safe play can maybe get us there. Um, but kind of like you said, off, off the top, it, 
really just kind of ended up being more of the same. What would you say was kind of like the bottoming out point uh, in 2021 for the Broncos? Yeah, there, there were there were a lot of highs, a lot of lows this season. And of course, it starts with the human element. The the obviously the the biggest low was losing Demarius Thomas. Just uh, oh, we sure. we saw how much he meant uh to not just the organization but the city and the fans. So yeah, you yeah. have to start there, but then bringing it to the football field, uh it was when the season really appeared over and that was week seven Thursday night football against the Cleveland Browns. Jesse, you said the Broncos started hot three and oh, they had excitement yep. and then they faced a tough stretch where you could kind of convince yourselves. Okay. The Broncos lost three, one to Baltimore, one to Pittsburgh, one to Vegas. Those teams, you could convince yourself they were good. And at the time, most of those right. teams were playing good ball, but then they go into Cleveland on Thursday night, their only primetime game up to that point. And it appeared that that was going to be their only primetime game until a game got flexed later and this was the opportunity for the Broncos to get back on the right foot to get back to a winning record to be four and three instead of dropping a fourth straight and really seeing their season go downhill and on top of that they were handed so many gifts Baker Mayfield was going to be out so the Broncos got a revenge game against oh, Case right. Keenum they were yep. down not just Nick Chubb. They were down Kareem Hunt. They were on their third string running back. They were That's down right. multiple starting offensive linemen. So the Broncos, this great defense, what it was supposed to be, was going up against a backup offensive line, a third string running back who had never started a game in the NFL before named Dearness Johnson. No one had heard of him. And Case Keenum. <laughs> and they went out and lost and it was a very disappointing game 17 to 14 it was embarrassing on top of that uh you, you, you had Dearness Johnson go for 150 yards on the ground just tear up the Broncos defense the offense wasn't able to do anything you have Teddy Bridgewater who goes out there uh he's at like 50 percent he's limping throughout the whole week That's he goes right, out yep. there instead of Drew Locke so some questionable decisions there Teddy doesn't yep. look that good uh and then Von Miller also plays his last snap as a Denver Bronco. He got hurt right before halftime, and then he would not play another snap for the Broncos. I mean, just talk about as embarrassing as a game can be. The Broncos did it against the Browns <laughs> that day. But there was also another low moment before the season started. It was right before the draft. It was a 24-hour window right before the draft, or the day before the draft, the Broncos trade for Teddy Bridgewater. And initially, people yeah. are thinking, you've got to be kidding. We're doing this again. We're doing the right. veteran, pretty much a backup quarterback route. We're doing this. But then it sparks some hope of people saying, you know what? This could be a move to set up Justin Fields for the Broncos bringing yeah. in Trey Lance in, in, in the draft. So it got some hope. And then uh, the draft comes around <laughs> in hours before the draft. Another high comes out where the Broncos are close, very close to trading for Aaron Rodgers. So everyone is just so excited now. And then the draft comes around. They don't get Aaron Rodgers. They don't get Justin Fields. They don't get Mac Jones. They get a damn good player in Pat Sertan, but it wasn't the quarterback route. And that's when the reality sunk in that it's Teddy Bridgewater. We're, we're doing this again. We're doing the Case Keenum again. We're doing the Joe Flacco yep. again. Uh, we're, we're, we're going down this route. And as all Broncos fans know, that is not the route they wanted to go down. So I think that was a low yeah. point. And especially that was a time when the Broncos did just get a really good player in Pat Sertan. They, just, they did get a really good draft class. But at the end of the day, quarterback is the only thing that matters. And we've learned that in Denver the hard way over the past five years. So you kind of take a step back and – 
you're like, well, this sucks again. Go, going <laughs> into training camp with a quarterback battle with one guy that just led the league in interceptions and another guy who, in Teddy Bridgewater, who we pretty much know what he is. He, he, he's a journeyman guy. So that right. was the point, too. Yeah, no, yeah, journey, journeyman backup. The, yeah, Bronco fans were sitting there saying, I've seen this movie before and I hate yeah. the ending. But no, AJ and I were actually <laughs> yeah. just talking about that the other day after our show. We were just kind of, you know, and, and he made the point, he goes, none of the conversations are worth having until they figure out what they're doing at quarterback. So like you said, Patrick Sertan's yep. a great player. I, I don't think anybody's upset that he's in Denver. Um, but it does just kind of have that feel of, yeah, that's all, all of that's, you know, good and well, Jerry, Judy, Patrick Sertan, uh, you know, and pick a name that, that you want to pick. It's all kind of moot until you get figured out what's going on at quarterback. Well, and on top of that, Teddy Bridgewater just had the best year of his career. 18 right. touchdowns was more than the 15 touchdowns that was his career high entering this season. The two to one touchdown to interception ratio, the 90, 90 plus passer rating. Those were all the best that we've seen in Denver since Peyton Manning in 2014. Yet it is so far from the 35 touchdowns that, that Justin Herbert just threw for and obviously what Patrick Mahomes can do. So the Broncos bar was so low and Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> exceeded that yet. It's just so far away from what they need and Broncos. I mean, that's a storyline going into 2022. And I hope that at, at one year from now, when we're talking about this, we're talking about how the Broncos finally got it turned around or else we're probably going to be talking about another losing season. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and uh, I like what you, you know, I like you bringing up week seven. Cause now, you know, in retrospect, uh, I think you're hundred percent right. That's when it really did feel like, oh man, this might just be the same thing again. Yeah. Um, Patrick, the Rockies definitely have had a really interesting last couple of seasons. Um, you know, some big trades that haven't necessarily yielded the return that, that many thought they would. Um, it, you know, it was a rough season this last year, and it seems like, man, they have just, from where they were two, three seasons ago, where it really seemed like this team was on the up, they finally had their superstar, um, and, and they had something to build around, just really seemed like it's gone the other way since um, 2021. Where, where would you say really everything kind of came together in, in the worst way? It definitely came together on January 29th when we got word that, the Rockies were indeed going to trade Nolan Arenado to the St. Louis Cardinals. It didn't get finalized until after the weekend on February 1st. But nevertheless, that was something that there had been those minor rumblings. I mean, look, when you're in a smaller market like we are in baseball, as far as you know, the Rockies are concerned, every team is looking at the Rockies roster saying, okay, who do we want to pluck from them? Like, who, who can we just take? You know, it's, it's not that simple. The Rockies don't really operate in that way. So even with the, the big contract the Rockies gave Nolan Arenado, this idea that other teams were going to just take him from the Rockies was <clears throat> exactly that. It was just an idea. It wasn't really going to happen. So speculate all you want. The same thing is, is going on with Herman Marquez right now. But when it yeah. finally came down that that was going on, I think that was the straw that broke the back for a lot of fans because there had been – you know, certainly not transparency, but there was this idea that if you can take ownership in the front office at their word, that this is what's going on. Okay, that's fine. Maybe you could squint and believe it. But once that trade happened and you're getting rid of a once in a generation player, a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, you can't then turn around and say, 
but we are here to contend and we are here to play for a postseason. You can't do both of those things simultaneously in trading away your best player. You understand the financial ramifications of that, but you can still have your best player and financially figure out a way to make things work in light of the pandemic and the lost revenue with there not being any fans in the ballpark in 2020. So not only did you lose your you know, favorite player, and again, that first ballot Hall of Famer, you, you lost any hope and uh, appreciation or trust in the not only front office, but really the ownership of the Colorado Rockies. And so that's actually something that I, I want to ask you real quick about. Was the low point the trade itself, or was it maybe that press conference a day or two later where ownership straight up said, look, we're not going to compete with the big markets. We're going to you know, do the best we can, um, but this is kind of what it is. Because that, that to me really seemed like, a, and obviously I'm paraphrasing that. That wasn't exactly what they said. Um, but the, the press conference that followed it up almost – seemed just as bad as the trade itself. That's a great question. I, I, I really think, and again, maybe this is just, again, that, that media perspective that we have, where, as AJ said, we know some things going on behind the scenes that we can't always articulate or, or go into detail as well. We just kind of can see where things are going. So the trade was the shock for me, but I could see how, you know, then seeing the Jeff Breidich, the GM at the time, and the owner, Dick Momfort, actually having to address it. And then you visibly see all the things going on behind the scenes, those rumblings that we kind of already knew about. Actually seeing that hammers home the point of, oh, wait, you know, a lot of this has just been lip service. And they've been right. saying this one thing, but now they're finally admitting something other than that. Now I know it's it's truly legit that that you know they they can't have their cake and eat it too and that yeah. there there is a, there's a trouble here there there's a problem going on uh with the powers that be so uh that yeah that that press conference definitely illuminated a lot of things a lot of statements because that's one thing in the previous administration with Jeff Breidich is he didn't really offer himself up to the media that much so there wasn't a lot of opportunity to you know hear it from from the horse's mouth as it yeah. were. And so that press conference really illuminated a lot of those things that, you know, we may be in the media knew, but now they, they couldn't hide around it anymore. And they had to just right. come out and say, here's the deal. Here's why we did it. We're going to try to look like the good guys, but there's really no way you can do that in trading this once in a generation player. And yeah. paying $50 million to the team to do it. <laughs> Yes, we're yeah. we are so cash strapped that we need to give you fifty million dollars in order to <laughs> save money. Yeah, that's that's rough. Oh man. Yeah, there were so many details of that trade where I was like, I'm sure these make sense, like if you actually look at them, but I can't like match any of these lines up right now. Um, I, I I honestly think you know I, to Zach's point, you know, when you're talking about the human element of it, I I think you know Demarius Thomas was definitely the low point for, for Denver as a city, you know, in, in terms of the sports scene, just seeing the real impact. Honestly, the, the day he passed away, I had, a, I had an Uber driver. Um, he was, uh, he asked me what I did and I told him and he brought up Demarius Thomas and literally this random Uber driver that I had 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 a Demarius Thomas story about how him and his daughter were sitting at Cherry Creek mall and uh, DT came over and uh, she was wearing a Demarius Thomas Jersey he came over and offered to sign the Jersey, then went up to lids and bought, um, bought her a hat. Uh, him and Emmanuel Sanders signed it. They were both there together. 
literally he approached them, you know, just one of those things where you could tell he was truly um, such a genuinely good guy. Um, and so I think that was kind of a bottoming out point for a lot of Denver sports this year, but maybe in terms of on field, on ice, on court, the Nor- Nolan Arenado trade may be the, the, the low point for Denver sports this year, just because um, Vaughn Miller was traded kind of at the end of the career. Hey, go get one last crack at a Super Bowl. Nolan Arenado is someone who was in his prime, was a true still superstar in the league. Um, and anytime someone like that leaves your market, not good. <laughs> and, and even going into that too, there was a battle essentially brewing between Nolan Arenado and the general manager. And you had the owner siding essentially with the general manager. Now, again, that's, that's one narrative that you could look at it when really it was just look, the bottom line is the financials. So I'm just going to go what's best in that situation. But you were siding with the general manager that had clearly made some errors and was on his way out in the first place. And you, you dealt away that generational talent. Yeah, you let you let a guy make that huge trade who then turns around and quit on you, what, two right. months later? Yeah. That was the crazy part. And you for knew me was... he was probably gonna quit too. That's the worst part about it. Well, and if he didn't, then you were gonna be forced to fire him. And all right. of the roads led to this person will not stay. And you let him make that decision. I <laughs> It's a head scratcher. Well, hey, like I said, I've always learned to end on a positive note. So I want to get into the positives and the high points for everybody. But first, of course, this is the Denver Sports Podcast uh, brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery. Also, I want to remind you guys about our great friends over at Mint Mobile. This holiday season, I mean, the holidays are kind of behind us, but the best deal in wireless can be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan. You'll get another three months for free. Uh, They're the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. Uh, Guys, I mentioned it the last time I was hosting uh, the the Denver Sports Podcast. I have worked in the mobile industry before, and I can tell you right now, uh, for sure, Mint Mobile is ruffling some feathers with some of the big traditional carriers. Uh, They just can't compete. Again, that is if you sign up right now by any three-month plan, you'll get another three months free over at Mint Mobile. Uh, Also want to remind you guys about our great friends over at Sexy Pizza. We have Sexy Pizza at every Broncos tailgate, which I believe we actually just had our last one um, last weekend, two weekends ago. Um, So look forward to those. We got one more coming up. One more coming up. I'm sorry. Thank you, Zach. Saturday special. It's it's a Broncos tailgate on Saturday and their sexy pizza. I can't think of anything better. Um, they are uh, you know Denver based. They used to be one of my go tos. Just walk right up to the pizza window right downtown. You can get a slice. You can get a whole pie. Um, anything you want. And guys, it's uh, it's delicious. Uh, stop by any of their four Denver locations: Capitol Hill, Old South, Pearl, Jeff uh, Jefferson Park, and Park Hill. With a new location in Trinidad coming soon. Jesse Montano with Zach Harrison, AJ, and Patrick rounding out 2021. Want to end all this uh, on a positive note, on a high note. So, AJ, I'm going to start with you. Um, really, for the abs, it was a year of a lot of ups with really kind of one big giant glaring down. Um, but where would you say for the abs that there wasn't really a better time to be an abs fan than what in 2021? 
Um, I think after they swept St. Louis, yeah, in the first round, and maybe you could even maybe say after the seven-one win in Game One against Vegas, where it looked like they were unstoppable. You know, yeah. I I remember after that Game One, I tried telling people Game Ones are where all the weird stuff happens. <laughs> Don't make too much of it, but it was also it was also impossible not to just be feeling amazing. They just swept St. Louis who has been a team that had given Colorado some issues in previous years. And then their big rival, the team that they tied with atop the NHL in the standings for the president's trophy. They, they beat seven to one in game one. Like they just dominated them. And it just felt like, Oh my God, this is it. This is it. This is it there. This is finally the team. They're so good. They've won their first five playoff games. Life is life is great. Yeah. And that felt like that felt like the end of the ride. Yeah, it uh it's funny because like I said there was really kind of one big glaring negative on the year, and it came immediately following. Cause I, I agree with you. That that was probably the best you were feeling all year. The 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 injury wasn't really a, injuries weren't really a problem. Uh and yeah, you were 5-0 and in the playoffs in the second round. And then it was uh, right after that that things kind of came unraveled. Yeah, because after after game two, like, you're you're like, they are lucky to be up 2-0. Yeah. Like, they got they got outplayed for a lot of game two. And, every, I mean, without, without kind of a soft slashing call it, at the start of overtime, they maybe don't win that game. They probably don't win that game. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. I think you're right. It was uh, the peak followed by an immediate valley. Um, Patrick, obvious what, what kind of was the bottoming out for the Rockies. But that didn't mean that they didn't have good moments throughout, throughout the year. What would you say, in, in your opinion, was where Rock, the Rockies and their fans were maybe feeling the best? For a season in which they didn't make the postseason, I'd probably have to say this was one of the most joyous seasons Rockies fans could possibly have. And again, that being said with the trade of Nolan Arenado, you know, they saw their, their first member of the franchise enshrined in the hall of fame with Larry Walker also saw his number get retired. Only the second Rockies player to ever have that happen. Fans got to be back in the ballpark. So that obviously was a nice bump to, to have there on opening day for the first time since late in September of, of 2019 but possibly the biggest thing that happened in Denver in the last year was the 2021 all-star game, which have to do yeah. with all of the all-star game festivities and including the home run derby, another great success that uh, event was and, and the game itself. So, you know, even, even with the trade of Arenado and, and this idea that man, there's, we've lost a lot of hope. Hey, if it happens, it happens. You root for the players. We've lost a lot of hope. That being said, there was a lot of reasons to be happy. If you were a baseball and a Rockies fan living in Colorado this season. That shows just how much the last two years have just completely run together for me. Cause I was <laughs> living downtown when the all-star game was in town. It was awesome. Like having all the festivities around, uh, we tried really hard to make it to the uh, home run derby, but the tickets were just too, too outrageous. Um, but no, that you're hundred percent right. That was an awesome week weekend for, for the city, for the ballpark, uh, you know, Coors field got to kind of show off a little bit. Um, I, 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 you're, you're right. Like I said, these last years have run together. I completely forgot that that was the 2021 all-star game. 
and for you know baseball fans who you know those that are a little bit more ambitious they might go to the winter meetings every year and, and hang out in a hotel lobby to see their favorite journalists and some of the stars that make the all mlb team things of that nature there's there's always stuff going on in the off season for events like that you know we haven't had that in the last two years and so for the entirety of the baseball world to descend upon colorado in denver and be around for all these different events and and for fans who even couldn't afford to go to the home run derby or, or to get a ticket you're still able to go to fan fest and yeah. get a feeling of of what the history of the game is like with exhibits about you know the hall of fame and, and cooperstown there are events for kids there's all kind of giveaways you could wait in line and get autographs from from legendary rockies players and and hall of famers alike so it really was uh, a celebration it it felt like Denver was the best party that, you know, the country has had probably, you know, in the last two years, truly. Yeah. No, everything they had going on around McGregor Square, I thought was awesome. All open air stuff. Um, you know, they had a little mini Hall of Fame set up. And um, no, I, I, I thought they did a phenomenal job. So I, I agree. Um, Zach. So again, repeating what I said last year, there was definitely moments for optimism. There was definitely moments to, to feel bad. They they improved on their win total for the first time in, I guess, three seasons now. Um, when were Broncos, the Broncos and their fans feeling the best? I have to, I have to give two ones here. And the first one, Perfect. for some people, they were thrilled one year ago from today at the beginning <laughs> of the new year when John Elway took one of the most interesting demotions, promotions by promoting himself in order to relinquish general manager duties to someone else. And boy, I mean, guys, we, we all need to get fired that way by getting promoted. <laughs> you get to keep your, your million dollar salary for another year. You get to pop your head in when you want. You get to go to the games, fly private to the games if you yeah. want, and then not really have any day-to-day -day responsibilities. And that was a high for so many people because of what the last five years since Super Bowl 50 had been like for the Broncos. And especially at that quarterback, Back position the Broncos just never found one you know John Elway said one time at the combine I'm gonna keep swinging and missing which is interesting he said missing because he was right on that <laughs> I'm gonna keep swinging and missing uh, at the quarterback position but the the truth is John never swung at the quarterback position right. and the big swing after Peyton Manning and when you pick a quarterback in the mid-20s that's not really a true commitment at a quarterback and then what did he do after Case Keenum, he paid $18 million a season. That seems like a lot. It was still the bottom third of starting quarterbacks. That wasn't a swing. Trading a fourth-round pick for Joe Flacco, that's not doing anything. And we just right. continued to see that. And so a lot of people were happy that John was, was moving on up by giving control to someone else. So that, that was a big high for a lot of people. And then, of course, uh, George Payton, when they brought him in, he was he was a big hire, uh, really well regarded around the league. And we're still getting a true evaluation of him. So far, a lot of the – pretty much every non-quarterback move he's made has been fantastic. But, again, yeah. it comes back to quarterback. And so far, we have not seen uh, a, a great move by George Payton. So that's still wait and see. But I had to start off – with at the beginning of the year brought so much hope to fans. And then yeah. on the field, a couple weeks after it seemed like the season ended with their low point against the Browns, the Broncos come out and they get back above 500 somehow, some way yeah. going into Dallas 
to play the 6-1 and one Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys on a six-game winning streak. They have the best offense in the NFL, scoring over 30 points per game, and the Broncos absolutely dominated them. Broncos didn't allow the Cowboys to score until garbage time. They were up 30 uh, to zero, absolutely dominating what looked like the best team in the NFL. And again, not only gave hope in that game, but then they were five and four. They were right back in it. And then we kind of changed our view of this team of instead of just beating bad teams and losing to good teams, we thought, wow. This team can compete with, with some good teams. Now, are they going to sweep the Chiefs? Of course, they're not going to sweep the Chiefs, but they could do well against the Chargers in the Raiders the rest of the season. Uh, and they held Ezekiel Elliott to, to a terrible game. Dak Prescott, they made him look absolutely human. And Javante Williams had his first 100-yard game. And, man, he's been one of the highlights of this Broncos team this yeah. season. The wrecking ball, the, the guy that just takes multiple guys to bring him down, and he was really special that day. And Teddy Bridgewater looked like the Teddy Bridgewater that the Broncos had hoped for. Extremely efficient, putting up 249 yards in that game. So it was really the perfect game against a great team. And it got a lot of people believing in the Broncos again they would ruin that belief one week later against the Eagles, though, going up with the, with the highs and lows of this season. But yeah. that, that was certainly the high point on the field. So in, in terms of on the field, would you say that that game against Dallas was maybe the high point of the last few seasons for the Broncos? Because, I mean, that, that was, I mean, maybe the most complete game they've played. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you tell me. When was, when was the last time they played a game that complete on both sides of the ball? Yeah, I mean, that that was absolutely it. And one more thing that that game did was it brought hope Vic Fangio. Now, it didn't get buy-in from everyone about Vic Fangio, but it gave some people hope because that was a different Vic than I've seen in any other game. He was fired up on the sidelines. He was fired up uh, with his players on the side. And the team came out really fired up, and everyone thought, okay, if this is going to be the head coach moving forward, maybe there is something here for the future because we obviously know what his defense can do. We just saw it that day by dominating the Dallas Cowboys and potential head coach for the Broncos, Kellen Moore. He shut him down. And then you, yeah. you, you got hope there. And that is something the Broncos have just been missing for so long. And that day provided it. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was, uh, it, it was a fun game to watch. And that's, that's not something that, that, the Broncos haven't had a ton of like really fun games where you just feel good from start to finish. And that was definitely one of them. Um, yeah, it, it did. It, it got you thinking, well, Hey, can this be the, the kind of launching pad for, for the rest of the season? Obviously didn't go that way, but uh, yeah, I think, I think that game uh, is, is a great call out in terms of uh, that's probably the best Bronco fans have felt about an individual game in, in, in a few years, at least. Um, Harrison definitely won one huge, um, high for the nuggets and, and it was something that i think not only the, the team needed you know the franchise needed but the city needed um in your opinion what was the highest high for the nuggets in 2021 yeah it was definitely Nikola Jokic winning the mvp yeah. uh yeah first nugget in franchise history first nuggets player ever to win mvp the first center to win mvp since shaq in 2000 the first second round pick to ever win mvp uh, it's crazy. crazy. Um, it's, it's really, really like one of the most incredible sports stories that I've seen in my lifetime, for sure. A second round pick out of Serbia comes in. Um, nobody knows who this guy is in 2015, 2016. 
He comes off the bench. He just keeps improving and keeps improving. And all of a sudden he's the face of a franchise and he's a top 10 player. And then a top five player. And then the best player in the NBA, which I think he's been for the last two years. So um, it's a hell of a story. And yeah, it kind of culminated with him winning MVP after one of the greatest offensive seasons in NBA history. And um, it's funny. He wins MVP. He gets presented the award prior to game three against the Suns. He's got his brothers there. He's got the whole team behind him. Uh, Fans were back in the arenas during the playoffs, so he got to accept it in front of the home crowd. And then he goes out and goes for 32 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists, becomes only the third player in NBA history to go for 30, 20, and 10 in the playoffs. And then uh, postgame says he was mad at himself because he thought he could have played better. So it was just like the classic Jokic moment on that night um, to put a bow on, like I said, one of the greatest offensive seasons in NBA history. And and somehow he's even better this year. But um, that that was definitely the the top moment from last year. How how big was that in terms of it being a Denver nugget? Because I I, I think, and, and maybe this is just me kind of watching from afar, you know, for, further than you, certainly, where it seems like the NBA favors the bigger markets more than maybe any other pro league. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I even remember, and I can't remember the guy's name from ESPN, who posted that video in his car where he straight up said, yeah, we don't talk about Jokic because that doesn't bring the ratings. So why would I talk about him if it doesn't bring the ratings? Well, it kind of forced everyone to talk about him when he won MVP. How big was that for the Denver Nuggets to franchise? Yeah, I think it was massive. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, The NBA, I think more than any other sport, really highlights its major markets. I mean, last season, the year before, people were legitimately, like very legitimate media personalities and writers were talking about Kyle Kuzma as a star. And (laughs) he was only a star because he played on the Lakers in Los Angeles and he's having arguably the best season of his career in DC with the wizards this year, but you don't hear a peep about him because he's not on the Lakers. So yeah, I agree. The NBA more than any other sport does that. So it was massive for the nuggets and you know, it did take every other contender for MVP last season going down with an injury at some point. And Jokic, of course, played in every single game last year. And that was a reason why he won it. Um, If, you know, Joel Embiid didn't get injured, would Nikola Jokic have won MVP? I don't know. Maybe not. Um, But he survived the war of attrition. And he was also just the most dominant, best player in the NBA last season. And, um, yeah, now he has that for the rest of his career. I was like, it really got to one of those things where any, anybody that was actually watching knew that Jokic was the MVP, but it got to the point where it was like, it's not possible for you to pick anyone else. Like there's no one else even in the conversation. Availability is a skill and, and he outlasted everyone. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not impossible though, because I got to remind you, Jesse, Steph Curry got one first place MVP vote last year and his team didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. He got one. <laughs> yeah it's 
It's always tough being uh, being here in Denver. Uh, you know, Nathan McKinnon's been up for two Hart trophies, and I think he absolutely should have won at least one of them. Um, you know, th- there's there's different theories that you know being in the Mountain Time Zone, some of the East Coast guys don't even stay up and watch, um, you know, Western Time Zone uh, games and stuff like that. But no, it does always seem to be frustrating. Um, some of these guys just seem to get passed over. Um, any of you gentlemen have anything else to add, you know, about, about the teams you cover or, or just kind of anything in general in terms of 2021? Think we're good. It was cool. just great. It was great seeing fans. I, I said it already, but just having fans back in the ballpark and the stadium and arena, like that's just so huge that we, we kind of take that for granted a little bit because yeah. it's just always there and it should be. I mean, why wouldn't the fans be there? Even if it's just right. a small crowd, right? Even when when yeah. people leave early, that's that's part of the story, right? And yet they weren't there for that. They weren't a part of the story in any capacity. And at least for baseball, there are some stadiums where you can you find your spots where you could still watch part of the game, right? And yeah. that's not really true for basketball and hockey. Although Jesse, I know I did see when you were up in Seattle, there's a way where you can kind of look down into that stadium. And so I think there might be those little things, but ultimately at the end of the day, there were no fans whatsoever. We couldn't operate as DNVR if it wasn't for fans, if it wasn't for our members. And so that's the biggest thing I think we have to give thanks for the, maybe just the best overall highlight amongst the four beats amongst all sports is having the fans back. For sure. Zach, last question that we're going to jump out of here. Did the NFL ever lose fans or were fans in the building the whole time? Not last year. In 2020, obviously, fans were not there for most of right. the time, which was just crazy. But last year, yeah. fans have been here. A- outside of the Broncos, they- they've had quite a few no-shows, but uh, that <laughs> that has not been due to uh, COVID protocols. Yeah, okay. Well, well good. No, I-, I agree, Patrick. It's great having people back. It, it is just part of like the fabric of, of what, you know, makes makes sports and part of the reason why we love sports is that emotion and, and, and passion and it's great to have that back um seriously thank you guys all so much for taking the time out i know this is kind of an extra thing uh that you guys all add to your schedule so i really appreciate uh you guys jumping on for zach harrison patrick and aj i am jesse montano we will talk to you guys next time on the denver sports podcast